Good morning and welcome to church this morning. Welcome to table this morning. Um, I have to admit that it is actually last night. Um, work that one out. Um, it was actually my week to speak. We had arranged that I was going to be speaking this week. Um, but I've had to be away this morning. And so actually it's Saturday night. I know how to have fun on a Saturday night. Um, now, I am um, just going to do the announcements and then we'll, um, we'll get started. And obviously I am not the most natural in front of the camera. So I'm hoping that you will be able to um, set that aside and open your heart to what God wants to speak to you this morning. So the announcements this morning are that our, we're praying as usual on Tuesday night. And we do plan to reopen, God willing, next Sunday, the 6th of September. And um, we're excited about that, but we do need your prayer. We need a lot of wisdom with this decision. We wanna do it right. So we don't have the, the details for you just yet. And we're working on it and um, so would you keep a wee eye on social media on Facebook um, and we will we will hopefully have those details for you as soon as we can so we're gonna I'm gonna just pray and if you could go to Psalm 23 Father God, I just really pray that you would move in power this morning, Lord. I pray that you will speak to people, Lord, in spite of my awkwardness in front of the camera, Lord, that you will powerfully move, Lord, and that you will help me, God. And I really pray this will be a blessing to many, many people this morning, God. So come and have your way, Lord. Amen. So just if we go to Psalm 23, we're just going to read the first um, few verses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So he leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. So today I want to talk about the spiritual practice of solitude. Now, um, if you remember, we're in the series of the disciplines of the spirit. And um, just to remind you what those are, they are effectively putting up the sail to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. And now, the word solitude, I find, is a wee bit off-putting, and you might be sitting there thinking, I'm just going to switch off now because this isn't relevant to me. I'm on my own all the time, well acquainted with solitude, especially after lockdown. Or maybe you're sitting there thinking, this isn't relevant to me because solitude is not a reality for me. I never have a minute on my own. And the term solitude is actually misleading because that implies being by yourself. But this, the actually solitude as a spiritual practice is so, so much more than that. It's not being by yourself. What is it then? 
It is deliberately detaching from noise, from voices, from distractions, deliberately detaching in order to attach or connect with God in order to hear from him. Did you know that there are voices all around you? There's the voice, the voices of culture from coming from our culture, even from Christian culture. Do this, do that. You should be like this. And we have, there is an unconscious uh, power to, um, at work in us to conform to culture. There's the voices of social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, we have the voices of text messages. We have WhatsApp, we have Facebook Messenger. Um, on this phone where you can access the news. Um, there's someone, if you want, telling you to work out. There's so many voices on this device. Um, there's also other voices. In your context, it will be different to mine. Um, in my home, there are dogs wanting us to play with them, to scratch them. There is housework calling our names, wanting it to be done. There is a hedge saying, cut me. There are voices and distractions all around us. And I'm sure it's the same for you. And this practice of solitude is in effect detaching from those voices, turning away from those voices in order to turn towards God, to turning away in order to turn towards Hopefully it'll make sense as we go. I love James chapter 4 verse 8 and it's really been um, on my heart a lot lately especially from I've been studying this. It says come near to God or draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That is powerful. And you know that the language that's used there is the language of physically drawing close. It is about proximity. And we see it in Genesis 48, 10, where the same word is used and it's Joseph drawing his kids in towards Jacob. So it's, uh, it's a proximity thing. It's actually drawing near, coming near, approaching God, turning to him. And if we draw near to him, he will, he will draw near to us. You know, I don't know about you, but I want God to speak to me, you know, in a dramatic way. I want, you know, I want to hear an audible voice. I want to, um, I wouldn't mind an angel visiting prophetic word you know I just want to hear God in a really dramatic way but you know maybe God is speaking maybe he's waiting on me on us to draw near maybe he's waiting to speak but there are other distractions there are other things calling for our attention calling our names there's too much noise could it be that God wants to speak to us but he's speaking in a still small voice a gentle whisper 
and we're missing it. We're missing it or we're not taking time to draw near and we're missing it. Because if the Lord is our shepherd, in John 10, it says that his sheep listen to his voice. The shepherd speaks to the sheep. God wants to speak to us. You know, I remember clearly hearing God speak in that gentle voice many years ago in a really significant way. Um, and it was a voice that changed the direction of my life. And I still remember I was um, walking up Tate's Avenue. It was while I was at university in Belfast. I was walking up Tate's Avenue and I was near the bridge. And I can still picture in my mind's eye the bricks on the bridge because it was so significant. I heard a gentle whisper and it was the shepherd and he was calling me and telling me that the direction that my life was going in was not the path that he had for me and he called me and my family have watched me over the years and they know that my life did change at that point it changed direction and I heard the shepherd's voice and I changed direction and followed him and he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He speaks. He speaks. And there's been various times over the years that I have significantly heard him speaking to me or to us as a family. And um, you can bet that whenever I left my career in dentistry, to um to train as a counselor and to totally change direction career-wise you can be sure that i heard his voice he spoke so many times to me and to us as a family and some people may have thought you're crazy but i knew that i my, my shepherd was speaking and that i had to follow his voice and i'm so glad that I did because he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake and he can be trusted but we need to turn aside we need to detach we need to make space we need to practice this spiritual discipline of solitude which hopefully you will know more about as we journey together so we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. And it's probably something that, a little passage that's familiar to most of you. And the Lord is speaking to Elijah. And Elijah's in a cave in solitude. But the Lord said to him, so this is 1 Kings 19 verse 11. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
and after the fire came a gentle whisper. A gentle whisper, a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. He went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So Elijah turned aside, he drew near. He went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. The Lord had called him to draw near, to hear the gentle whisper of his voice. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? It was a still, small voice. It was a gentle whisper. But Elijah had to draw near and he had to listen to that voice. And in Exodus 3, verses 3 to 5, you read about the encounter that Moses had with the burning bush. And he saw the, the bush burning. We all know the story. But significantly, it says, Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. Moses had to turn aside. He had to make that choice to turn aside. And I love in verse 4 it says, When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. The Lord noticed that Moses had turned aside. And the point I want to make there is that he sees you when you draw near. He sees you when you turn aside. Because that takes faith. That takes faith. And he notices faith. He leads you beside the still waters. Are you going to turn aside? Are you going to follow him beside the still waters? He leads us beside still waters and there he restores our soul. It's worth turning aside. Now you might say, but we're living in the new covenant. If you're born again, we have the Holy Spirit in us and our heart becomes Christ's home. Yeah, he comes to make his abode within us. We have treasure in jars of clay. Um, it says in Corinthians that um, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, by the power of his Holy Spirit, comes to live within us. Our heart really does become Christ's home. So we already, we already, we already have him, you might say. Um, why do we need to draw near? Why do we need? We're already near to him. But listen to this. You can live in close proximity to someone. You can live with someone without ever turning towards that person and connecting with that person. And that's sad. In a home, that is sad. You can live with someone and never listen to them. Never hear their heart. And that is sad. And that's not a flourishing relationship. And God wants more. For us, he wants us. He wants our attention, our attentiveness. And he wants to speak. There's a Christian counsellor who, yes, he has a very difficult uh, name to say. His name is Siang Yang Tan. Um, and he um, 
has a book which I do dip into now and again. Um, and he says, God speaks to the heart of those who keep silent in order to listen. God speaks to the heart of those who keep silent in order to listen. I think I would, um, the Linda Spence version is, God speaks to the heart of those who draw near in order to listen. God speaks to the heart of those who draw near to him, who turn towards him in order to listen. Now, I believe in practicing what you preach. So as I, in the weeks that I've been preparing for this message uh, on solitude, I have thought I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really be intentional about spending more time in solitude increasing time with solitude so what I did was I went into David's study and I took the rocking chair that was in his study and I brought it across to my study and I have been um, using that chair in um, to draw near I've been using that chair to sit and to uh, be in solitude and to practice this spiritual discipline of solitude and what does that look like for me well I've got the chair and I would recommend a hard chair rather than an armchair especially if you're prone to nodding off um, not looking at anyone in particular and um, I would recommend not doing this in the bedroom because again same temptation you might um, fall asleep um, so choose your space, choose your chair um, and you know, be comfortable in that and I would recommend that it was a calm space with just minimal distractions and um, you know, I guess what I'm asking you is what are your barriers to solitude, are there barriers, what's stopping you drawing near to God, what's stopping you? Personally, I ask myself that I ask myself this question, and um, as the reply was a wee bit challenging. And I've been challenged that um, I nip around too much. I very often will say, "I'm just going to nip and um, get this. I'm just going to nip and do this. Um, I'm just going to nip here, nip there." Um, and it was pointed out to me by my husband that that I do nip around quite a lot. And I have noticed that I do. And, um, you know, I was thinking if I was to meet Jesus at, at the well, um, I was doing a, a wee study at the start of lockdown with, with my girls. And one of the questions that we were asked, there was a little reflective part at the end. One of the questions was, you know, if you met Jesus at the well, what way would you interact with him? And I found that really challenging because... I was thinking I would probably have to nip on. <laughs> you know, how sad is that? I would have to nip on. So what are your barriers to solitude? What are your barriers to drawing near to God? You know, maybe you give up too easily and get distracted. Well, that's not surprising. And um, I, I do hear you on that. Apparently in the year... 2000 the average attention span was 
12 seconds and in 2015 the average attention span was 8.25 seconds. I don't know who worked that out but I would well believe it. Um, this is kind of a, a quick fi fix culture and we're so busy, we're nipping here, we're nipping there. Um, everything is quick and to actually stop and be attentive um, is a challenge at times. And, um, you know, I just, I read somewhere about, you know, that we're trying to have a, a Snapchat relationship with God. And my, my girls talk about um, snapping people and, um, you know, it just, it just doesn't work in our relationship with God. We can't, we can't do a quick snap. He wants, he wants our hearts. He wants us. He wants us to draw near and to seek him and to follow him. And he is ready to lead us and he's ready to draw near to us and he's ready to speak to us. But what are, what are the barriers? What are your barriers? I would say as well that it takes practice and we actually need to quiet our inner selves down. Pete Gregg um, says, and I agree with him, he says, we, it may take time to slow down so that you can be truly quiet and attentive to the Holy Spirit. And from my understanding, I find it's really, really helpful to have a wee bit of understanding of neuroscience. Did you know that stress, change, uncertainty, grief, anxiety, and the cares of life, even coronavirus, um, these cause our sympathetic nervous system where our stress response is mediated to be stimulated. And, you know, many of us are actually living in a state of chronic overstimulation of our sympathetic nervous systems. So this is a diagram that I use quite a lot in my work with clients. And um, our stress response is mediated down here. And this is where the sympathetic um, nervous system is activated. Now, the problem with that is that in order to reflect, in order to connect to God, in order to think clearly and um, yeah, to slow everything down and to be able to engage with God, we need to be using this green part of the brain. So we need to be able to move from red to green. And it takes practice to do that. One of our trade secrets in the counselling um, world is that diaphragmatic belly breathing, slow, deep breathing is incompatible with the sympathetic, sympathetic nervous response, the stress response. So if we take time to just slow everything down and slow our breathing down and breathe deeply using our diaphragm, we will slowly um, move ourselves from the red part of our brain to the green part of our, our brain where we can, our inner selves quietens down so we can reflect and we can connect with God. So give it time and practice. It does, um, it does take time, especially, you know, if you are stressed, if you are anxious, if you are, um, 
dealing with uncertainty as I guess we all are at the minute um, with everything that's going on in our world. So take time to um, know your body and know what's going on um, and be patient with um, this practice of drawing near, realizing that it can take practice and it's worth it. It's really worth it. As I began um, to increase my practice of solitude over these last number of weeks, um, a funny thing happened. And one night I was sitting up in my study and I had this image in my mind's eye, which I believe was from the Holy Spirit. I believe it was God speaking. And it was through a picture and it was like this biology diagram of a placenta. (laughs) Strange, I know, but it did get my attention. I was thinking, what is that about? And as I prayed about it, reflected on it and thought about it, I realized that it was very, very significant. Because what does a placenta do? It's a structure that provides oxygen and nutrients to a growing baby. And it's a structure which removes waste products from a baby's blood. So it's a, it's a structure that facilitates exchange, exchange of nutrients and removal of waste products. The baby receives life through the placenta and life-giving oxygen. And as I reflected on that, I thought that is really significant because this time of solitude, practicing solitude as a spiritual discipline is like a divine exchange where we receive life from God, where we receive all that he wants to give us. And we also exchange and give him our cares, our burdens, our worries, our stress. You know, what do you do with the things that you desperately want to change, but they're beyond your control? How about drawing near in order to exchange those, to hand those over to God and to receive his peace, his strength, his wisdom, his love, his care. There are things that he wants to give us if we will only make time, if we will only draw near. And there are things that we're carrying that we need not carry because he wants to take them from us. The cares and worries, the burdens, the things that are weighing us down. Let's draw near and exchange. Let's practice this divine exchange. You know, significantly with this placenta, without the placenta, there is no life. There's no development, there's no flourishing. And without solitude, that space where we can give God our pain, our worries, even just for a few moments. Without that space, we will carry too much. We will be weighed down and we, we won't flourish if we don't make that space. No wonder Pete Gregg says in his book, How to Pray, which is a brilliant book, by the way. Um, he says, you must seek solitude and silence as if your life depends on it. Because in a way it does. 
in a way your life depends on it. Henry Nguyen also says that without solitude it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. Now that is a big statement. It is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We need that, that divine exchange. We need that interface where we receive his life, where we turn towards him open-handed and open-hearted and we receive what he has for us. You know, Jesus practiced solitude and if Jesus needed to practice solitude, how much more do we? In Luke 4, before Jesus began his public ministry, he spent 40 days in the wilderness and it says he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. So Jesus was in solitude before he began his public ministry. And if you have something big ahead and you need God, you need God's power, then I, you need to draw near. You need to get in that chair and draw near. You know, um, our rate changed schools this week was very significant and you know it's it's a big thing changing schools and so and it's um you know it is a wee bit scary and the night before um the night before she was due to go in i said to her rach go up to my chair <laughs> go and sit in my chair and draw near and that was the best advice i could give to her is there something special about that interface, that, that point of turning from to turn towards that interface where we receive and we give? And what else, how else did Jesus practice solitude? Well, in Mark 6, 30, Jesus said to his disciples, come aside come with me to a quiet place and get some rest so in order to recharge after serving after work solitude was important and Jesus Jesus demonstrated that to his disciples and Jesus says come come on to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest is he calling you to come on to him this morning because he wants to give you his rest. Are you wrecked from work, from serving him? Are you just wrecked? Then come on to him. Come on to him, you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to that chair and draw near. Open your hands and receive. You know, in Matthew 14, Jesus used solitude and needed solitude when he was working through grief. Jesus heard that his cousin had been killed. Really um, traumatic news. And how did Jesus deal with that? It says he withdrew. He withdrew. Maybe that's what we need to do. We need to withdraw. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. That was his instinct when he was hurting, when he was feeling grief. And in Luke 6 as well, before a major decision, 
where he was choosing his disciples, what did Jesus do? He went out to a mountainside to pray. And indeed, he spent the night praying to God. He drew near. If you have a major decision to make, or even a little decision to make, you need to draw near. You need to draw near. And that's where we will get wisdom. And that's where we'll hear the still small voice and the direction of God. And it says, one morning came the disciples. He called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them. And what else did Jesus, when else did Jesus practice solitude? Well, in Luke 22, 41, it says he withdrew. This was when he was in distress. It was just before he was betrayed at the Mount of Olives. In his time of distress, what did he do? He withdrew. A stone's throw away from his disciples, he withdrew. And he drew near to the Father. Are you in distress today? And then he wants you to draw near. And the thing to do is to get that chair and to get turning away and detaching from everything else, from all the noise, and just to to turn towards him. You see, Jesus had that rhythm. It was really part of who he was. And so he instinctively knew he needed that solitude. In Luke 5, 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew. He often withdrew. It was part of his rhythm. It was part of his life. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It was part of who he was. You know, I was chatting to a friend, a dear friend recently, and this girl I admire so much and um, because I have watched what her and God have achieved together and they've, they've achieved some remarkable things together. And um, we were chatting about, you know, the next season and, and what's ahead. And she said something really simple but deep <laughs> simple but profound she said i just need to remember that jesus is my source maybe <laughs> i need to remember that too jesus is my source and that made me think of the roots of a tree you know that the roots of a tree is where the tree receives life again it's that interface <laughs> The interface where there is an uptake of life, of nutrients, of wisdom, of power. Is Jesus your source? Is Jesus your source? You know, give it time. The roots, forming those roots is under the surface work. It's done in an unseen place, the sacred place. Matthew 6, 6. Um, it says, I'm just going to quickly go to it. Matthew 6, 6. says when you pray go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you go into your room close the door 
and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The secret place. The secret place. We need to let the Holy Spirit do his work in us in solitude. Sometimes I think of it as like a potter centering the clay. You know, he, he puts his hands on that clay that's wobbling about and he centers it and he firmly holds it. And once that clay is in the center of the wheel, you can do anything with it, but it needs centered. And, you know, sometimes I, that is in my head as I come into solitude, as I come into God's presence to draw near and I sit in my chair and I just say, Lord, center me, Father, center me. And I just picture and sense him just steadying me and centering me. You know, don't let words get in the way. Don't let words get in the way. Maybe this is a time to just set your prayer list aside There is a time to pour out your heart to God and to tell him things. But there's also a time to just sit with him, to draw near, to be with him, to allow him to steady you, to settle ourselves into God's presence, to draw near. And sometimes you will be surprised when you hear that still small voice. And sometimes he'll draw you into interceding. He'll put someone on your heart and your mind and it will surprise you. And this happened to me three weeks ago. And I was in my chair having that time of solitude. I was drawing near. I wasn't saying anything. I was just sitting with God. And all of a sudden, I thought of someone and I had a sense of that I needed to pray for that person. And I just lifted that person in my heart. I lifted that person to God. And I didn't know why or how. But on Friday, I realized why. On Friday, I realized why that person was on my heart. So sometimes God will entrust things to us in those precious times and he will put people and situations on our hearts and sometimes he will just gently whisper and maybe he just wants to hold you. He wants just to impart something to you. So just draw near and see what he wants to do. I was reading Ruth Haley Barton, who speaks and writes quite a lot about solitude and about retreat. And she speaks about Moses in the wilderness. And she says um, about Moses, how he had ran into the wilderness. And I love what she says. She said that almost immediately Moses was by the well. Solitude began to do its good work. And she says solitude will do its good work, whether we know what we are doing or not. So just make that space, not knowing what it might look like. Create that space and let solitude, or rather let the Holy Spirit do his good work in you through solitude. What are your barriers? You know, perhaps your barrier is that you don't have a right idea of what God is like. 
Um, you know, if you sense that God is angry, that he is distant, that he is preoccupied, he doesn't have time for you, if you um, perceive that he is this father who is never able to be pleased, then, you know, that's a significant barrier to drawing near. I wouldn't want to draw near if I believed that about God. But I've come to know that he is a father and he just loves, he loves me. He loves his children and he just wants to hold you and to help you and to strengthen you. And he just wants to restore your soul. He wants you to come as he leads you beside the still waters. He wants to restore your soul. And maybe the barrier is that you fail, you've let God down and you've sinned and there's shame there and you can't go to God because you've let him down and you're just a failure. Well, actually, a good um, verse to then read out loud is that, um, I think it's in First John, it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. If we confess... I always remember hearing someone speak years and years ago and saying, you know, keep short accounts with God. Confess those sins and draw near and don't let anything keep you from your father. I also love Romans 8. And if you are feeling condemned or like you cannot approach God, the thing to do is read Romans 8. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Just draw near to him. He loves you. He wants you to draw near to him. He wants to speak to you. He wants to just love you and hold you. And he wants to give you what you need for what you're facing right now. Don't let anything stop you. You know, it also says in Romans 8 that if God is for us, who can be against us? And then it says, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing can separate us from his love. Draw near. Don't let anything separate you from him. Don't let anything separate you. Dallas Willard says that to say we have no time to practice solitude is a fallacy, that it's rubbish, basically. It's not about me. It's not about not having time. It's about making a decision and then doing it, practicing it, finding a chair, finding a space, and just do it. Let him lead you beside still waters and restore your soul. Amen. So I'm just going to pray for you and encourage you to go for it. Just do it and to draw near and just be with him and allow him to give you life and take your burdens and cares and stresses. So Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this ability that we have lord that we can boldly approach your throne of grace that we can draw near to our father who loves us 
Lord, I thank you that you are there already in the secret place waiting for us, God, waiting to draw near to us if we will only make that space and that time. And Lord, I just pray for your people this morning, God, that you will help them to draw near. Lord, that you will help them to remove those barriers, even if they're barriers in their minds. God, I pray that you will help them to get past those barriers and to begin to just draw near. I just thank you, God, for, for being with us and for loving us. I pray your blessing upon each one. I pray for your wisdom, God, in the week ahead as we discuss and plan and, um, you know, as we make plans for the next stage, Lord, I pray, God, that you will lead us. Lead us in the right paths for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for listening. Um, and have a really good week. I hope to see you soon. Bye.